Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to the book of Acts, certainly. Some of you have been waiting on the Lord for the baptism of the Holy Spirit for a very long time. Others of you, have just it's just occurred to you that this might be something that you need to do. Some of us have been baptized in the Holy Spirit for a very long time, and we need another dose, just to be honest with you. It's the absolute truth. There's never a time you don't need more. And I've, I've realized this as I was reading. I don't even know if I can talk tonight, but the Holy Spirit is with us. As I was reading the Azusa papers, and I've only gotten into those a little bit, the thing that I have discovered The reason Azusa Street came and went is because seekers came and went. We would still be in an Azusa Street environment if we were still seeking. If our culture was still seeking. See, God comes and he moves on us and then, and then we get in a routine. But I just want to share some things with you from the scripture that I believe will be helpful to you. And then, and then we're just going to pray together and see what the Lord will do here. Acts uh, chapter 1 uh, and verse 8, they received a promise. And, I, and this is the first thing I asked the Lord because there's a ton of scriptures we could share. Um, we ran out of time on the scriptures that we could share on the Holy Spirit just this morning. Uh, but Acts chapter 1 says... This this is the promise that Jesus was making to them before his ascension. He said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses or be witnesses of me or to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And essentially, you'll be my witnesses wherever you're at. Make sense? Well, I heard the Lord tell me when, we were ta- when he and I were speaking about this night to challenge you with these words. Don't seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit if you're not seeking to be his witnesses. Don't ask for the fullness of the Spirit of God if you're not willing to walk in the fullness of what that means. We are set apart And he said, you will receive power. The Holy Ghost has come upon you. And to be honest, we've lived in a generation, it's it's pretty much past us now, but there's a generation of people that I grew up around that were full of the power of God and never used it to accomplish the purpose for which it was sent into their life. They enjoyed the presence of God. They enjoyed the worship like we enjoy the worship. They enjoyed the outpouring They enjoyed the moves of the Spirit that came from time to time. And then they did not, and then and and, and then essentially so many of them did not do anything about the fact that the Holy Spirit had been poured into them. It didn't affect them personally. And I'm here to submit to you tonight that we are to be full of the power of God for a purpose. Exactly why I'm just as good at being an evangelist as I am at this. 
Because the Word of God, if you, if you will not hear His voice, I said this morning, if you're full of the Spirit, how did I say that? If you receive the fullness of the Spirit and you're unchanged, you are a transgressor. You are in opposition to what He's trying to do in you. But when you receive the power of God, the power of God through the baptism of the Holy Spirit is yes to teach you, yes to strengthen you, yes to comfort you, yes to guide you, yes all those things that we talked about this morning. But the primary purpose through which the Holy Spirit was poured out was to raise up a people with the word of the Lord in their mouth to be his witnesses. So I just want to challenge you with that. Then the other thing I want to remind you of is, uh, is toward the end of this chapter about 30, verse 39 when Peter was preaching and explaining there in the city of Jerusalem what had just happened in the upper room as the Spirit of God was poured out on them. Uh, he stood up and he said, And this promise is to you, to your children, and to all who are afar off as many as the Lord our God will call. So I'm talking to you about a promise that is to you. Is he, did he call you? Is he still calling? Are you here? Is he still calling? If he is still calling, he is still pouring out his spirit. Amen? Now I want to talk to you uh, about a couple things. that uh, A story that Jesus shared in Luke chapter 11. And then I want to talk to you about why tongues for just briefly in Romans. So I'm going to read Luke chapter 11, beginning with verse 5. And I just wanted to share this. Those of you that have paper Bibles, flip there. Those of you that are on electronics, push some buttons. Luke chapter 11 and verse 5 says this. He said to them, which of you, if you have a friend... And you go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come into this, uh, come to me on, on his journey, and I don't have anything to set before him. And he will answer you from within and say, Don't trouble me. The door is shut. My children are in bed. I cannot rise and, and give to you. But I say to you that though he will, uh, though that he would not rise and give to you because you are his friend, Yet because of persistence. I'm not going away until you give me what I need. Remember when we were studying parables and we learned that Jesus told parables to show us what the kingdom of God was like? This is one of those situations. God, I'm not going away until you give me what I need. So he says, I say to you that because of persistence, he would rise and give him as many loaves as he needs. So I say to you, ask. And what it says, I believe, in the Amplified is ask and keep on asking. It's an interesting dichotomy to me that I am full of the Spirit of God and I continue to ask for more of the Spirit of God. 
the well that doesn't run dry, that causes me to have everything I need to never thirst again, causes an insatiable appetite for more of him. So he says, for everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to he who knocks, it will be opened. Tonight you have come to seek. Tonight you have come to find. Tonight you have come to knock. And then he gives you this passage in verse 11. And I think that this is one of y'all that that write in your Bible ought to write around this passage right here. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? I think that's a great challenge. If your child comes to you and asks you for bread, are you going to give him a rock? If he asks you for a fish, are you going to give him a serpent instead of a fish? If he asks you for an egg, are you going to offer him a scorpion? If you, then being imperfect, being evil, being flesh, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So I want to settle something with you right now. What does it say He will do if you ask? It also points out to you that if you ask for the Holy Spirit, he's not going to give you something else. If you're asking for the Holy Spirit to be in your life, God is not going to give you something else. If you ask him for bread, he's not going to give you a rock. If you ask him for an egg, he's not going to give you a scorpion. So you don't have to wonder when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Is this God? Which most of us do. You can lay that argument aside. The Bible says to cast down those imaginations and any high thing that exalts itself exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bring that thought into captivity. You do not have to ask yourself when you ask God for a good thing and the good thing comes, is this God? The devil will come to you and whisper in your ear. The enemy will come to you and whisper in your, in your thoughts and say, oh, that's just you. Been there? Yeah, some of y'all got that, didn't you? Oh, that's just you. No, that is a lying spirit. So he says, keep seeking. Because he who seeks finds, and he who asks receives. The tone of the scripture that I am reading to you is that of a guarantee. He who seeks, finds. He who asks, receives. If you ask for bread, he won't give you a stone. If you ask for a fish, he won't give you a serpent. If you ask for an egg, he won't give you a scorpion. And if you ask for the Holy Spirit, he will not give you a counterfeit Holy Spirit. So he says to them, If you being mere humans, if you being evil, if you being flesh, know how to give good gifts to your children, 
how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If you know how to give good gifts to somebody else, how much more will the, 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 will the Father not give you the Holy Spirit if you ask him? So my Bible tells me if you ask, you receive. We make this such, so much harder than it needs to be. On the day of Pentecost, the children of God were in the upper room and they were waiting on the arrival of the Holy Spirit. And they were in one accord and they were worshiping much the way that we worship tonight. I'm sure they were singing love songs to Jesus and they were thinking about how much they missed him and they were so excited about the promise uh, that he was going to send uh, the comforter to them. And I'm sure they were having discussions like, is he here yet? Have you, have you seen anything different? Is there Because they did not know what they were looking for. They had never had that outpouring before. So they had to wait until the fullness of time. The fullness of time, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, that was the fullness of time. That was the appointed time. The appointed time has come. So it is not necessary to assume we're not waiting for God to send you something. He's waiting for you to unwrap your gift. Are you following that? We're not tarrying in His presence because we want Him to bring a new outpouring. We're tearing in His presence because we want Him to give us the understanding about how to unwrap that gift that He's given us. Just step into it. And then I just want to touch on Romans chapter 8, and we're going to pray together. Romans chapter 8 talks, is talking about being filled with the Spirit in verse 31. And it says, the Spirit helps our weakness because we do not know what we should pray for as we ought to. And I just submit to you that there is countless times in our life where we know we need to pray and we know we need to ask God something. But because we are human and because we are imperfect, we don't exactly know what to ask him. So he says that the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The only way that you do not receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit is if you talk yourself out of it. The only way you do not receive the gift of the Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues is if you talk yourself out of it because you're worried about how it might sound. Or how it might sound to someone else. And that's pride. And pride's going to destroy your opportunity. So let's not have those concerns. But he says, the Spirit, now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So when you are praying in the Spirit, the Spirit is searching the hearts. The Spirit is searching your heart and the mind of God regarding the matter that is before him.
the matter that you are praying about. Sometimes you know what that is and sometimes you don't know what that is. And I don't need to get into all that right now except to say that the importance of this is that the Holy Spirit would like to pray through you and for you and your behalf over the circumstances of your life in which you do not know how to pray. The teaching there is that if we were to pray according to our own mind, we would ask to consume upon our own lust and upon our own desires. We would ask according to our own will. That's not a condemning word. That's just pointing out the fact that if I pray, I'm going to pray the way I think I ought to pray. Based on what I want. And in reality, what, what we're being challenged to do is to pray in the Spirit so that we can, over our lives and the lives of, the, uh, of others around us, pray the perfect will of the Father. Until you pray in the Spirit, you can never pray perfect prayers. Your prayers will always carry your mind and your thoughts. But the moment that you can pray in the Spirit and allow the Spirit of God to pray through you, you'll pray the perfect will of the Father. Because the Spirit that is searching your heart and searching through the heart of God, the Bible says the Spirit makes intercession for us according to the will of God. And then one other passage that I just want to point out because I want you to be built up in the Word tonight as we get ready to pray. Chapter 8 and verse 31 says, What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? It's interesting that that statement was made in this context. If God is for us, who can be against us? And then he says in verse 32, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us, give us all things? If he didn't spare Jesus from the cross, when Jesus was in the garden crying out, Oh God, Father, if there is any way, let this cut pass from me. If I could get out of this, I would. I don't want to go through this. This is not going to be an enjoyable experience for me. Help me. And the scripture says he let him go through it. And if he let him go through that for you, is he going to stop short of giving you what you need? The answer to that question is certainly probably a rhetorical question. The answer is no. He is not going to withhold a good thing from you. So if you ask him for the spirit... He's not giving you something else or not withholding from you. He will freely give you all things.